Juliana. And I'm Denise. And, And we, we are, are the queens of Bila. You are listening to Bila's Talk, a seasonal podcast where we discuss the challenging journey to the tech world in Sweden. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to one more episode of our Bila's Talk, our podcast. And today, I have here with me my friend Denise. Hello, I'm here again. Yay! And we have a special guest today that is Vanessa Sue Smith. And Vanessa is an immigrant uh, living in Sweden, and she's originally from Panama. I'm not going to talk a lot about her uh, because she's right here with us to share her amazing story. Welcome, Vanessa. Yay, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yay, that's so great to have you here. And please tell us everything about yourself. Uh, can you tell us how long are you, have you been living in Sweden and a little bit about your educational background? Uh, Juliana said I'm originally from Panama. I'm 35 years old. Uh, so since little, I've always liked drawing colors, like creating stuff, being like super creative. So the first thing I did as soon as I graduated uh, high school, I went to university and I studied graphic design. That was for me like a very obvious path back then. I was super happy I completed my bachelor on graphic design But exactly the moment I was graduating, me and my family decided to move to Europe. My mom was married to a Dutchman, so I couldn't even attend my graduation <laughs> ceremony. I got my certificate sent uh, by mail. Uh, so it was really like on the same time, like we migrated, I was getting my diploma. So I couldn't really work as a graphic designer, even though I had done those studies. Uh, we first lived in the Netherlands for a couple of months. Then we moved to Belgium. So at that moment, as a family, our priority was more about fixing our papers and, you know, gaining stability in a new country, in a new uh, continent, actually. Uh, so I was much more focused on learning the language and finding a job because you know how you need to show that you can sustain yourself and so on. So that's when I started to work in restaurants. Uh, I've been a chef, uh, a restaurant manager for the last 11 years. I never thought I would like working in restaurants this much. I just did it because I needed a job. I needed a source of income. And I was, it was something that was easy to combine like part-time uh, working in restaurants and part-time studying the language. My chef back then, my boss, uh, gave me the opportunity to start working in the kitchen instead of just doing dishes and cleaning. And I just stayed in the industry. I, I, I started to develop a big interest on vegan food and more like healthy eating. I became vegan myself as well. So Yeah, I just kept digging deeper into that world. Like I started to look for jobs where I could uh, work more with like green foods and more healthier alternatives. I started my own food blog as well, where I would develop my own recipes and work with some brands like do food styling, food photography. So my life was all about food That's so for nice. a very long time. <laughs> that is so great. Amazing. I, I have a question on that. I'm sorry. Uh, but... You turn you turn yourself as vegan because of your professional or your professional? It's because you are vegan. I mean, the last professional because now you have a new professional. Yeah, 
I think like just being in the restaurant business and learning so much about food, I got curious about just like what's more sustainable, like what's a healthier alternative for me and my body. So I just did it as an experiment. I was running this blog. So I just thought, okay, let's do like a vegan month project. And it worked out. Like I enjoyed it so much. My body felt great. I had like really good energy levels. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay vegan. I, I have no reason to go back when this feels so great. So I think it was just because I was exposed to so much food information. And uh, yeah, in, in the blogging world as well. Like I, I think that's what helped me like discover that. And yeah, I just decided to change. It was not super difficult and it was not a tough decision. Like I just... I just did it and went for it. Great. And uh, since you mentioned that you had a bachelor's, right, in uh, graphic design uh, back in Panama, uh, and then you moved to, to Europe, have you thought about working with a graphic design uh, before, even before uh, working for a restaurant? Was, it, was that your first option? Yes. Uh, I really wanted to be able to use my diploma here in Europe, uh, and that was my priority. Uh, my idea was that I would learn the language and I was going to apply to, um, you know, how, how my, because my diploma is from Panama. So when I bring that diploma to Europe, it's not at the same level. So when I, I brought my diploma to the University of Antwerp in Belgium, they told me, you need to do some subjects, some extra subjects to be able to bring the diploma to the same level as European level. So I thought, okay, that's, that's my goal. That's what I'm going to do. And in order to do, this, do these subjects, I had to learn uh, Dutch uh, to be able to be accepted. They don't do lessons in English. So my idea was like, okay, I'll manage, uh, I'll try to master the language. I'll apply for university and I'll uh, do these subjects so that my diploma is uh, same level. And I managed to learn <laughs> the language. I managed to get into university. But at the same time, I, I needed to keep up with the, with the job. Um, because I, I had my, my bills to pay. At that time, my mom had already moved back to Panama. My mom is not living in Europe anymore. It's only me and my brother who are left here. So I was alone. Like I needed to be able to sustain myself. And Belgium, unfortunately, back then didn't have a system that really supported that much uh, working students. So you had to study full time. And at the same time, I had to maintain a, a part-time job. I just couldn't do everything at the same time. But So that was around the, the same moment when I decided, you know what, I'm just going to stay in the restaurant business because it's going so well for me and I enjoy it so much. And it, it was a bit of a tough call because I really wanted to pursue that career in design, but I just couldn't at that moment. It was not possible for me. Okay, I understand. And uh, then just to, to make a timeline, first from Panama, you went to the Netherlands, from Netherlands, you went to Belgium, and then from Belgium to Sweden, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. And uh, what was like your biggest motivation to move to Sweden? And uh, why did you decide to stay in Sweden, not to move to anywhere else? Okay, that's, that's going to be another interesting turn there. <laughs> so... The reason how I connected to Sweden. So I was in Belgium, working restaurants, doing some blogging. I started to meet a lot of people on that scene, that blogging is like content creators. So at, around that time, I joined this group who was doing, a, they had a big YouTube channel. They had a big live stream. Like they were like super internet people. 
What I liked a lot is that they were doing charity work for Save the Children. They were doing uh, gaming live streams. And during the live streams, they would open donations for people to contribute to Save the Children. So I decided to join this group. And uh, we, we had a very big project in 2012 called Operation Sharecraft. Uh, the idea was to, to gather $1 million for Save the Children for the Horn of Africa. There was a very big crisis back then. So when I joined this group, I decided to quit my job in restaurants and fully focus on this because it was a very demanding live stream. It was 24-7 and we did that for four months. We needed, a, we needed help to be able to keep the live stream going. And you know how like gaming uh, live streams is so big in Sweden. We had a, a super big Swedish following. So there was this girl called Maral that she was super active in our community. So we decided, uh, you know what, let's bring Maral over to Belgium so she can help us with the, with the live stream because people is liking her a lot, like interacting with her. So Maral came over, I met Maral and we became so good friends. She's like my sister. So when that project was done, and we reached our goal, super happy celebration. Maral goes back to Sweden. And I was like, I want to go visit Maral. Like, I miss her. So I came to, to Sweden several times on vacation to visit her. And I liked it here so much. Like, I was meeting a lot of, like, really nice friends through her. People were super open. But not only that, like, because I was already so involved in the vegan uh, uh, kitchens and uh, just, like, the vegan diet in general. I saw how here in Sweden, uh, veganism was much more advanced than in Belgium. So I thought, if I move here, it would be like a, a quite smart uh, career move because maybe I can find jobs in restaurants that are 100% vegan. I would probably be able to learn more. I planned for it. I saved some money and I <laughs> just moved here. And now I'm in Sweden since 2015. That's really, really nice. Thanks for sharing. Uh, but then, uh, Vanessa, you came to Sweden. Then I think it's time for us now to talk about how did you join tech, right? And that was another big change in your life. And uh, <laughs> yes. what or who made you interested in tech here in Sweden? The people who I was meeting here was a lot of game developers, a lot of programmers. On top of that, my brother is also working in tech. And I had that background on graphic design. So... I think after a couple of years of working as a chef here in Sweden, I started to feel like, you know, I kind of miss that creativity. Like I, I want to reconnect with that creative side of mine. And I started to hear more, more, more friends around me, like talking about programming. I remember thinking like programming sounds fun. And uh, it was like one day talking to my brother about this, that he said like, you know what? I think you could be a good front-end developer. And I was like, front-end development, what is that? I don't know. I have never heard about this. So I started to do some reading. What is front-end development? And I found like it's not only about the visual part of design, but you also need to know some programming. So I was like, well, that sounds like a great balance for me because I don't want to give up design 100%. But at the same time, I want to do like, you know, that problem solving that comes with, with programming to me sounded like so intriguing because I feel like, I, went, I have the brain for that. I started to do some courses online by myself. So I would work in restaurant and after my shift, I would stay a bit longer and do some, some of the courses online. And it was love at first sight. Like, <laughs> I started to learn 
Yes, it, it was. Re- it just clicked immediately. That's so I, nice. I started with HTML, CSS, but when it came the part to learn JavaScript, I was like, yeah, this is my thing. It was not easy. Like, I won't say like it was easy immediately, like it clicked right away, but I could tell it's difficult, but I, I am loving it. I like, I, I am loving the struggle. I am loving the moment when it all falls into place and it's so, so yeah, that's when I, it becomes so addictive. <laughs> Become an addiction, isn't it? Like it's so, you're solving problems. You make this work like someone thought. Become an addiction. I know. I'm like this. And I love that you <laughs> that you decided to do like uh, some trial before, right? Before jumping in into a boot camp, like a long course. I love that you, you did, you gave it a shot, right? You tried before to see if it was your thing. That's something that uh, we in Bila, we tend to advise to uh, somebody that comes to us and say, you know, I'm in a career transition. I don't know if code is for me. There are some courses like five day courses or like a very short uh, period courses that uh, you could do that can actually try to help you to find if that's your path, if that's something that you like. Uh, so I think that was really smart. Also, I want to mention that it was my brother that influenced me on tech as well. So I can relate so much with your story. And my brother is like uh, older than me and he was in college first. So whenever he came home with his assignments and he was coding, oh my God, that was like 2005. <laughs> I was like uh, really passionate. So I, I can really relate to your story uh, when you're a brother. And I look up so much uh, 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 for my brother. So I think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you almost have the same the same history because it was my brother that bringing me to the tech road. I mean... He gave it to me a course, uh, like back in 2001. Oh my gosh, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> yes, but that's great to have such an inspiration so close to us, right? And uh, it's, it actually helps a lot. It becomes kind of a mentor. Yeah, definitely. It's really good. And uh, then, then after you made the trial, uh, how did you start? Did you do a boot camp? Uh, and how did you learn how to code? After I, I thought, okay, this is my thing, I started to look for educations that I could do uh, in Sweden and in English, and that is not too long. So that's where I found the Technico Bootcamp. When I read their brief, I was like, this is going to be so intense, but I don't mind because it's six months and they had a lot of um, alumni stories. Uh, very positive, saying that there's people who found jobs immediately after the bootcamp and that the education was very well organized and that the things that they were teaching were like super helpful and hands-on skills. So I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So yeah, I started the Technico Bootcamp last August 2020 in the middle of Corona. <laughs> so everything had to be remote. I had to learn how to work remote. Like I come from, from being a chef. Everything is so personal. Like you're working with people every day. So it was like, what? Zoom calls, like sharing code, live sharing. I'm like, what is all this? It, to me, it was really a big, a big adaptation in the beginning, like, especially when you have to, you are so new to programming and you have to program with other people. And remotely, I was like, whoa. But after some time, you get used to the whole thing. There are so many free resources online. Like I, I don't, I, I don't mean like you have to do a bootcamp to find a job. You can learn a lot by yourself. 
I came to the bootcamp because I needed, I need someone to guide me. I need someone that helps me network, like meet people in the industry. Like I just need someone to help me out to do this jump because I'm in a new country. I have no idea about this uh, industry at all. Yeah, the the industry is completely new for you. It's not like uh, the the food. So if it, without uh, any guidance, it's quite difficult to know how the uh, uh, what which path you should choose, how to truly your path. And uh, I yeah, I can relate it to you. And uh, how did you find your first job in tech? Uh, what were the biggest challenges when looking for a job with no experience can you share a little bit i think most of our community is very curious about this question because we have lots of people with a exactly same situation as you were uh finished the boot camp and now what how did you find the first job can you share very important for me was to build a good linkedin profile Having a, a really complete LinkedIn profile with a good picture, good description, good uh, like experience list and uh, your skills, like everything. One thing that uh, we were encouraged to do was to have an active profile as well. So I was writing articles on Medium, which is a free platform about my experience, changing careers, learning programming from scratch. And I was sharing my articles on LinkedIn. So a lot of networking and being active there because, yeah, that, that makes your presence more noticeable, like uh, not only for peers, but on, also for recruiters. A good CV with a nice, nice design. Uh, my brother helped me a lot building this CV. I was like, I'm not corporate world at all. So I was always like having him uh, check, just finding someone. In this case, I had my brother for that and I had my mentors at the bootcamp. But just finding someone who you know, maybe has a bit good experience or better experience than you at this, like just to peer review that, double check that everything makes sense, that it looks attractive and nice. And have you sent uh, many applications? How many have you sent? Do you remember? I sent at least 40 applications. I would say between 40 to 50. I, I come from, from, from being a chef with experience. For me, finding a job was not difficult because I can show for it. Like I have so many years of experience that I only had to apply to one or two places and I would get the job that I want. But now changing careers, going to an industry where I have not really experience at all uh, and I'm like so new to it, it does take a lot more effort. And that, that takes some time to sink in. I, I never thought that I would have to apply to 15 jobs and then 10 more and then 10 more and keep going until you find <laughs> that one that gives you the chance. I had never had to go through that experience until now. But did you did you have a lot of frustration with yourself? Like, uh, did you fight any imposter syndrome? And if you did, how how did you overcome that? I think it it does become tough, especially I think after I saw like even though I'm putting so much work into applying to all these places because I was really taking the time every time I was applying to a new one, I would take the time for. It. So it, it was a long process, and at some point you were like. Uh, where is this going? Because you start to, to all, all you get are these automated responses because it's not even a personalized email. It's just like this uh, machine that's like, no, we went for other candidates. We need more experience. I think as a junior, that's what I heard the most. And at some point it does bring you down. Like, 
what, am I even going to be able to find a job? Maybe I have to go back to restaurants, which is not the end of the world, but it's not what I wanted. I, I really wanted to be able to work with this that I love so much and I find it so much fun. So I think what helped me a lot was to talk to my peers uh, at school, my classmates, because we were all going through the same process. We were all sending a lot of applications and we were all getting all this negative response. So just sharing the experience with someone who is going through the sim- a similar process helped me so much because then you know you are not alone. If you have to apply to 15 companies, don't do it all at the same time. So I, I, I made it into a bit of a habit. Like every day I will apply maybe to two or three places instead of 15 at the same time so that it doesn't become that overwhelming, like two, three today, two, three tomorrow, and it just starts to accumulate and see. At some point, something has to happen, right? Yeah, and the community is very important, right? To have a community and a supporting network, people that you can relate to, I think it's amazing that you you found this in the boot camp. And like you said, you don't get overwhelmed because the job search is a job itself. And we needed to have a lot of research and build a cover letter for each applicant. So it's a lot to do it if you do like five, ten and a day. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And Vanessa, what changed for you after the first for the, your first job? Uh, how how did your life change? You've been, you said uh, earlier that you've been two months in this new job. Can you share how is it comparing to your student life and also comparing to your life as a chef? <laughs> oh, it's so different. Uh, so now uh, I found this job. It was around the time that I was already uh, finishing the bootcamp. I was working on my graduation project. That's when I finally started to get like some concrete uh, responses to go and do tech interviews and then uh, last stage interviews. So I started at uh, Axacon as a full stack developer. I've been working there for two months now. I started two, two, I think three weeks after the bootcamp. It's been amazing. The fact that I come from Panama and I've done this whole journey uh, Netherlands, Belgium, streaming for charity, being a vegan chef, and now. I could finally like reconnect with that creative side of mine, like that uh, not only designer, but like now learning programming and cracking problems and just being able to call myself a developer. It's like, wow, is this really happening? <laughs> yes, it is really wow. Yeah. <laughs> you should be very proud of yourself because I am very emotional. Your story is super inspiring. I'm sure that uh, people listening to this right now can relate so much that uh, when you find the first job, then you actually feel that you belong to something, right? And to find your roots. That's so great. I think it, it's... It has been a very beautiful experience because the the whole the whole application process was tough, uh, but then how things turn around, it was like wow! It it just it feels like it was meant to be. Like I I started to get in touch with this company after I thought that they will not get back to me because I think it was like almost a month later, I was like, okay, that's one of those that don't reply. Okay, whatever. <laughs> 10 more will come. Like, so yeah, suddenly they contacted me and I, and I remember one of the first conversations we had, 
uh, it was uh, with the HR uh, guy. There's a, it's a small company, so there is one HR guy. His name is Tobias. Tobias tells me, like, when is it, do you speak Swedish? I'm like, no, like, I understand a lot. You know, it has never been a problem. I've worked in restaurants. Sometimes I talk to customers in Swedish or, like, combination. It's like, would you be uncomfortable in an environment uh, where people is speaking Swedish. I'm like, no, like in restaurant, it's like that. I understand. Everyone is speaking Swedish. No problem at all. It's like, yeah, because it's not really a, a, a requirement, but I'm just checking, like, how comfortable would you be or not? Uh, I was like, no, it's okay. And I thought, oh, maybe this is a deal breaker. Maybe they don't want me now because I don't, I'm not so fluent in Swedish. But uh, uh, some weeks later, he, he was like, no, you know what? We still want to interview you anyway. I'm like, okay, let's do this. And when it came to the last stage that I met uh, with the CEO, he, he said, like, you know, Vanessa, we, you are actually going to be the first person that we hire who only speaks English uh, because we want to be more diverse. We want to be more inclusive. We want to be able to hire other people uh, who don't speak Swedish only. So you're going to be the first one, and this is going to be our first step to be more diverse. We're going to translate all the official papers to English. We're going to say, say everyone in uh, all the employees in company that uh, now we're gonna want, we want to switch to English. To see that a company is able to do that or, or wanting to do that, like opening up the doors to, to more people who are immigrants or maybe are not like super... Uh, comfortable with the language like to me that was amazing to see and uh, it's like a testimony that I can give that there is companies out there uh, willing to do that for us like it is uh, it it takes a lot of tries it takes a lot of time and dedication but I I think it if you don't give up and just keep trying it does pay off I think a lot is about also the timing uh, one thing that I keep telling uh, some people is like uh, maybe the moment when you applied for a job, it's a moment when the company was not exactly looking for people. So it's worth like remaining in contact and checking again after one month or after two months. Are you looking for people now? I, I just say like keep trying. Like, it takes a lot of application. <laughs> for me, it was around 40. I have friends that apply to even more, 50, 60. It, it takes, it sounds like a lot, but it's it's what it takes. Yes. And thanks for sharing advice for uh, people that are in the same path uh, that you were. I think it's uh, one of the good things about this podcast is actually that people can relate to and actually take those tips that might seem uh, sometimes obvious, but they are not, especially when you are in a completely new field, right? Like you changing from uh, uh, as a cook, uh, as a chef to go to tech, that's a, a huge change. But are you still learning? Is there anything that you are particularly interested or excited about right now? I think the learning never stops, <laughs> especially now there is so much I want to learn. Uh, but now I'm, I'm focusing really on the current project I'm working on, uh, the tools that I need for this specific project. Uh, so luckily, the project I'm working on, we are using a tech stack that is very similar, almost the same that I learned at Technigo at the bootcamp. So I'm working with React, uh, JavaScript, backend in Node. The part that is new for me is that I need to also learn now the DevOps part. So we are using AWS. 
and I have never used AWS before. <laughs> so I was I, I came into the project and I told them, okay, I am very familiar with a lot of this and I'm happy about that because I didn't start the project completely lost, like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about or having to learn a new language from scratch. But I did tell them, I have never worked with AWS before. So if you are okay with it, I would like to do a course on the side. So I'm doing a, a course on AWS right now so that I'm familiar with the platform and everything. And for me, super exciting because it's about it's more about where you host your server like where you host your files like how do you deploy that like how do how all that code that we put together is sent to the end user and for me it's super exciting to see that connection because because yeah like I've learned how to build a website I've learned how to build a server but how do I put that out there to the world I have never seen that uh, but what I like as well is that it kind of wraps up the whole process for me because I will know everything from from the first uh, hello world in HTML to the HTTP. On the, so I, I will know like from zero to end user, the whole process. So I think for me, that's really good to know for the future. It, it's definitely going to make my my CV or my knowledge like look much better because I will know the whole uh, cycle. Yay! Now it's my part, the fun part. <laughs> Can you tell us a fun fact about you? What are your hobbies? What do you like to do with and this kind of stuff? Okay, so all my free time, I actually really, really like Korean pop culture. I'm like so in love with watching Korean dramas. So every time I have some time off and some guilty ple pleasure, I watching some Korean dramas. I listen to a lot of K-pop, and I'm 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 still like there's still a chef in me. So I love going out to cafes, discovering new restaurants. I like cooking for people, getting together, like hosting dinners at home. In and the the soap operas, it's so good. I like the Mexican ones. <gasps> oh, telenovelas, so good. Oh my God. Yeah. This is like Korean telenovelas like that. It's the same thing. It's so good. Yes. <laughs> really? Oh, I need it. Please, please send me a mail with his, uh, few names because I need to, to watch. I really need it. I will send you everything. <laughs> uh, what are you reading right now? Or a book that you really like, like the special one, like it's on side of your bed. Yeah, right now I'm actually reading something programming related. I'm reading this book called I Ada, Rebel Genius Visionary by Julia Gray. So it's a little bit of a biography about Ada uh, Lovelace. I think she's the first uh, programmer. So because I don't know her story and I'm, I'm programming now, so I probably should know that. So that's what I'm reading right now. I have it next to bed. <laughs> nice. And uh, a band or a music that you love is like the true of our <laughs> life. It's very varied. Like right now, I'm still listening to a lot of K-pop and there came an, a new song from one of my favorite artists. It's called Sion T. And he's so good. It's like Korean R&B. But I listen to a lot of hip hop and of course, Latin American music like reggaeton, salsa. And the last one. 
Can you give us an ad to follow Instagram and get some inspire or some some laughs? Okay, so I'm going to give you a funny one because when you're browsing, that's kind of the one that lightens up the day. There is one called Gatitos Gorditos in Spanish. <laughs> and you will see all oh, these super cute kitties, like tiny kitties. Gatitos Gorditos is like little fluffy or fatty kitties, like chubby kitties. So it's like the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> Our cats, cats. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I'm already looking at my phone right now. It's so cool. <laughs> Vanessa, thank you very much. That was amazing. Uh, it's so great to have you here with us. And uh, so good that you shared your story. I bet everyone will be inspired. And I wish you a very, very nice week ahead. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. It was Super fun and my pleasure to share the story. And if anyone has questions or anything, you can always reach out to me and I'm more, more than happy to help out. I, I received so much help during my career change as well. So I want to give back as oh, well. You're so cute. Cool. We'll make sure to include your, your ad in Instagram or your LinkedIn profile into our episode so people can reach out to you. Thank you very much, Vanessa. And uh, someday, I mean, I'm serious. You need to come and cook for us. Yes. That you'll be really nice after a pandemic situation. You should meet and you should cook for us. Promise. Thank you, promise. Yay! Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Have a great week. Bye-bye.